Run it up, run it up. Run it up, run it up. Remix. Fuck that shit, we can touch on the sun and support you niggas get pro when the gun is up. This that East Coast Y'all already know the guy I gotta talk every single time I come here, niggas know I gotta do it. Yes, I gotta do it, and I gotta kill him, and I gotta kill him. Yes, you know when nigga gotta be them stupid. Only got 41 seconds just to give a nigga shit. Every second bitch, I gotta use it. Sorry, but a nigga blew it, and I can't get a microphone, and I make a motherfucker lose it. And I make niggas jump, and I back niggas up. What's going on? Welcome, Welcome to the All American Chelsea Podcast. I am the captain, the leader, the legend of all things you see. All American Chelsea, what's going on? On it's your boy Christian coming back again to you from beautiful Miami, Florida, in the good old US of A. What's going on, boys and girls? Come on, how are I know, I know. I'm coming to you a day late and a dollar short. However, I had some shit to take care of. Being a parent is always something when you're a parent. So, coming back from the Christmas vacation, my son's class, like, there's normally like 26 three-year-olds, right? For those of you who don't know, my son's three years old. So, he goes to school, goes to preschool, and normally, or the number of kids in his class is like 25, 26, 27, I don't know, 20 something of them. But recently, coming back from the Christmas vacation, there's only shit, 10 that show up every day. So we've been taking them to school. And we're like, yo, where's all the other kids in the class? What happened? Teacher's like, oh, a majority of the kids got sick. So majority of kids are homesick. So I'm like, damn, that's a lot of kids. But, you know, we crossed our fingers. We got lucky that my son got sick going into the Christmas vacation. So the two weeks that he was out of school, he didn't miss anything because, you know, he didn't have to stay home sick because he was sick during the two weeks of the Christmas vacation. So he's been good. He hasn't had a problem. As a matter of fact, on Friday was his first ever soccer class. And a quick note about the soccer class. I knew that they had the program available, but I was hesitant to put him in there because it, it I mean, they're three-year-olds. Like they really, he doesn't, he doesn't necessarily understand what he has to do. He knows when the ball comes to him, he has to kick it, but he doesn't know that he has to chase the ball. He doesn't necessarily know. And, and I've seen the class before and it's like, all they do is they want us to pay money to have these little kids run after the balls. Like, all right, everybody, run after the balls. Like, ah, if it was free, no problem. But since we have to pay for it, I'm like, I don't feel like I'm getting my money's worth. So on Friday was his first ever soccer class. And he was, you know, every time the ball would come to him, he would kick the ball. Uh, he was chasing after the kids, blowing past all the kids. He's the fastest kid in his class. And not to, not to, not to sound like an arrogant parent, but like, whatever. He's fast, fast as fuck. Hashtag fast as fuck. Anyways, so and then he was fouling kids. 
I was watching them on video. I was watching them on camera. So we have like like the school offers passwords or whatever. So you can watch your kid in class. They have cameras outside and you can watch your kids outside. I was watching them on camera. Every time the ball would come to him, he would kick it. And then he was running past the kids. And when the ball would come his way, he would kick it. But at times, like the ball would, would be close, but the group of kids, the ball would be not close, but the group would come and he would go and kick kids. I was like, that's my boy. Fucking kick the little motherfuckers. I was so proud of him. But anyway, so like I was saying, he was perfectly fine. So Saturday, we go to my cousin's house. My cousin has kids too, so all the kids can join up and play. Again, the boy was perfectly fine. My son was perfectly fine. We come in from the playground. We come in from outside. All the kids come in, wash up, let's eat pizza, blah, 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 blee, blee, blee. My son sits down on the couch with my wife. He curls up. He's like, Mama, I don't feel good. The kid was on fire. He, his skin literally felt fire. He came down, uh, I don't know when, in the time that we were outside or whatever, with a fever. So the whole weekend, you know, Saturday, he, uh, he had a fever. It didn't help that. Saturday we played Arsenal and this is the post-match review of the Arsenal match he was you know I was already pissed off and we'll get into that later but Saturday he came down with a fever so we were dealing with that Sunday all day Sunday um I reached out to Simon Phillips Simon Phillips was supposed to be on this episode of the podcast this was supposed to be our transfer show and the post-match review show but he had some family issues come up so and it was good it was really good that that uh we weren't able to record because i wouldn't have been able to record anyways because i was dealing with my kid and when you're a parent you don't you really don't like to to be it's it's tough man it's tough because you want like you want your kid to feel better you know so i was dealing with that all day and then uh that was sunday Sunday's usually my day to record i go to the to the office and I have the whole place to myself and I set up and I record, but I was dealing with my son and, you know, like, of course it was not a, you know, I'm not standing there feeding him soup and medicines over and over and over again. But, you know, like you're concerned, man, you, you're concerned, especially with a fever, a fever can, can for a little kid, it could be, you could be at, you know, let's say 101 temperature, which is hot, two de- you know, it's crazy, it's three degrees more than normal, but two degrees more than that, you know, and you're burning up and you might have to go to the hospital. So, like, you know, it's one of those things he's, and it's out of his, that's out of his norm, you know, to get like that. So, I was dealing with that. Um, and then, so, long story short, finally today, today's monday uh january 21st he um he's back to normal still hot but pretty much back to normal so it wasn't a big deal um i mean it today didn't turn out to be a big deal so dealing with that um and you know all is well all is well all right so oh and then i want to apologize also before we get into the post-match review um last week i was supposed to record with nini now before everybody you know because i already got hit up a whole bunch of times and my boy nini you know responded 
to to all the to all the messages that I was getting my way and he and I were actually first I I don't want to say too much I don't want to say too much and I know I know what you're saying here we go again Christian's gassing us again Christian's gassing about to gas me again with some of these plans where's the website where's the YouTube channel where's all this shit that you said was gonna happen I know I know it's still in the works okay it, it it's just different all right all right so either way you know so Nini, I, bro, that guy, he and I, it's so funny. Every single time we talk, it's always the same shit. We start comparing. We start talking about our lives. And we are so similar. So funny. We are so similar. Anyways, we spoke for four and a half hours over Skype. And we did not record the podcast. We were talking about business dealings, plans, families, everything under the sun. And because i mean he told me but he had a meeting and and he was going to record his pre-match uh video with robbie from arsenal fan tv um and he was going on vacation the next day blah 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 bbb he couldn't we couldn't um record the episode of the podcast but he's family he's coming on um I don't want to say this week, but he's coming on. It's it's going to be soon. He's going to be soon. I wouldn't be surprised if we record something, uh, you know, sometime this week. But that's neither here nor there. Um, and I do, but I do want to apologize for not getting that episode of the podcast out to everybody. So today on the post match review, your boy's flying, Mister Solo Dolo. But it doesn't mean a damn thing, you know whatever we're let's get into it fuck it it's just this match and this whole thing just drew so much energy out of me i swear to god it drew so much out of me i was furious bro like i was so upset so saturday was a london derby another london derby that chelsea did not turn up in same shit as liverpool same shit as liverpool what was it earlier in the year? You know, West Ham, they play in London. Another, I mean, I don't even know if it's called a London Derby against West Ham, but whatever. They, they're they in London as well. And they didn't turn up in that game. So, all right, we're back. I don't know what the hell happened there, but I didn't lose. I don't know what the hell happened there. My laptop just decided to turn off, but whatever. So, like I was saying, we... we <laughs> We played against Arsenal. The first time we played against Arsenal, we won, I think it was 3-2, if I'm not mistaken. 3-2, 2-1, some bullshit. I know we won by one goal. And even that game, even though it was early in the season, we saw that London, that Arsenal is not just like some team you can lay down. They're still a big club. They still have a talented club. We needed to be on our A game. And we just came out flat as fuck. The guys didn't give a shit so it just felt like here we go again man it's so disappointing it's so disappointing you figure i get it you don't you know like these guys are professionals they all want to play in big games i get it i get it you're playing against a lower side club you're playing in the fa cup is the opening round you're playing in the europa league you're traveling to you know who the fuck knows where Europe to play some team that you never even heard of? Can't even pronounce their name. I get it if you're not get if the boys don't get hyped for play for games like those. I understand, but this is Arsenal. 
this is a London derby. Like, this is mandatory that you get fired up about these games. And the way they came out, so lackadaisical, so... Uh, it, was, it, it was just frustrating. So, we started off the game with the lineup. Same bullshit lineup as always. Kepa, fucking Marcus Alonso, David Luiz, Rudiger, Aspie. Midfield, Kova, Jorginho, Conte. Front three, William, Hazard, Pedro. I mean... That was, the lineup was no surprise. The bench was no surprise. You know, before the match, I was hopeful that Emerson was going to start. But sorry is in love with Marcus Alonso. A few weeks ago, he said it was because of his height. It's getting like it's getting to the point where Marcus Alonso, the sorry, sorry may lose his job over Marcus Alonso. Think back. Like, to me right now, Marcus Alonso is Ivanovic, what, 2015 and 16. Think back to Ivanovic, the first half of 15 and 16. The guy was fucking useless. Useless. Could not play anymore. His legs were gone. He was getting burnt week in and week out, and Mourinho stayed with him. Mourinho stayed playing him stayed whether I don't I don't remember if we had another choice on the bench I don't remember what the case was but Mourinho stayed playing Ivanovic and ultimately uh, we know he got sacked in December whether that was because of Ivanovic's fault or not but the fact of the matter remains is that Mourinho was very stubborn with his lineup back then and Sari is starting to get pick up those tendencies of a stubborn manager and does not want to rotate the lineup. Now, granted, we have injuries. He has no choice. He has to play Ross Barkley and Kovacic in the number eight left center mid position. He has no choice. He cannot play Ruben Loftus-Cheek. Ruben Loftus-Cheek is hurt. Same thing with the striker position. He has no choice. Morata is already in Atletico, about to be play for Atletico Madrid, whatever the case, his contract situation is. I don't give a fuck about that guy anymore. But he has no other choice. He has to either play Hazard or Giroud in the striker position. So, you know, I have nothing to say there. But Marcus Alonso, I'm tired of this guy. This man is costing us matches. This man might be a key, key, key figure. If, again, I'm not saying this is going to happen anytime this year. However, what I am saying is this is a this could potentially lead to sorry losing his job in the future, whenever that is. I don't see, again, let me be clear. I don't see Sarri losing his job this season. I do not. I do not. But what I'm saying is these tendencies not to recognize somebody playing, not for a game or two. These is months now that Marcus Alonso has been playing like shit, like absolute dog shit. And Sarri has been reluctant and unwilling to, to drop him from the starting 11 and start Emerson. 
Okay, I I need to know what Emerson is not doing to not be getting to the starting eleven, because in this game, and I'll highlight them both goals. I believe Marcus Alonso had a major, major, major contribution into allowing both goals going in. So, um, again, another one, William, William getting a start over Colum Hudson-Odoi. You can't tell me that Colum Hudson-Odoi is on the same level as William and as Pedro, but yet William and Pedro get the start over Colum Hudson-Odoi. You can't tell me that they're on the same level. If you're starting the same two guys over and over again. <sighs> so first goal happens 13 minutes in um, by Alacazette. So to set up the first goal, there was a free kick. Free kick turned into a couple corners. Keppa made an amazing save actually on one of the corners um, that led to another corner. That led to another corner. And up until that point, the game had been end-to-end. It was an exciting game, but the pressure was already building. The pressure was already building against Chelsea. So pressure, pressure, pressure. Corner. If you guys watch the playback. So they, Arsenal takes the corner. There was three guys out on the wing. Out on the, on the, on the touchline. One in the corner flag. Another one, a little bit in the middle, you know, in the middle uh, between another Arsenal player. And I'm sorry with the players' names. I know I could, I'm lazy right now. I could have, I'm pissed off and I'm lazy. I could have written down the players' names and tell you exactly who's in what position, but I'm pissed off. So either way, it's, it's not the, it's not the point. So Hazard's the only one out there. Three guys, Three guys are out there, and only one man. We send one man out there. So you figure the math tells you that there's two less men inside the box to threaten. But no, it gets worse. So the ball goes the ball goes in. Pass it, pass it. So the middle guy, which is Torea, Torea passes the ball on uh, to the third guy that's uh, you know in the corner area by the touchline, and proceeds to dart into the box the person that he runs past is William William completely allows him to turn around while that while, run past him while that's happening the ball goes into Lacazette Lacazette has two options he can either pass the ball onto Torreya who is now running onto the near post and he has an opportunity to either shoot on goal or square it across uh square it in front of uh, in front of Keppa to another Arsenal player towards the back post. Um, that's and these are Lacazette's options, or Lacazette can turn like he did on Marcus Alonso, who was not playing close up, who 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 gave him all the space in the world to turn and shoot. And 13 minutes into the game, now we're down by one. Now we're down by one, and it. it, it <sighs> It's just that this is, again, we see Marcus Alonso. Marcus, a few weeks back, what was it? Sometime early December, the question came up to Sari, or somebody posed the question, that a question that led to Sari uh, explaining why he continues to select Marcus Alonso over Emerson. He said that Emerson has amazing qualities. He's a great player. However, 
one of the details that people overlook is the fact that Marcus Alonso is six foot two, and Emerson seems is five foot ten, and sorry picks Marcus Alonso over Emerson for the Premier League games for corner situations so that Marcus Alonso can can defend aerially. Uh, or attack aerially the ball in corner free kick situations or or corner situations. But yet here we have a corner. Here we have a corner where Marcus Alonso, this is the reason why he's there. This is the reason why he's in, for these situations right here, according to Sari, allowing, uh, not playing defense, not getting tight on Lacazette. And, And please guys, please guys, don't, don't go and and then pull out some rule book. Don't pull out Ferguson, you know, Sir Alex Ferguson's book on how to play defense when it comes to corner. And you need to be off. And he, you know, Marcus Alonso needs to be two millimeters to the left of. Don't pull. Don't. I'm not. I don't want miss me with that bullshit. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. The reason this man is supposed to be in these games is to prevent situation like this and however he's tactically supposed to be the fact of the matter is the man that he was supposed to be on the man that he was defending turned and shot towards goal and the ball went into the back of the net and that's all i need to know i don't need to know the the correct positioning his body his hand i don't need to know any of that shit i don't need to know that that's not for me that's for the, the the managers. That's for the guys who want to sit on YouTube for 10,000 hours and study. The, no, 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 no. I'm not that guy. I want to know the facts. And the facts of the matter is Marcos Alonso cost us that goal. I believe if somebody else, whether it's Emerson, whether whether it's Aspie, whatever, whoever you want to put in that position, would have defended that better than Marcos Alonso did. And that's just the first goal. That's just the first goal. Okay, so I'd be interested. I'm sure there's a stat out there, but I would be interested to know that how many times Chelsea has conceded in a corner and out of and out of all those corners, how many of them have been scored and where have they been coming on coming from? Do you know what I'm saying? So who can we assign blame if uh, Alonzo, if, you know, for example, Alonzo's in there, we've conceded 10, you know, 10 goals from corners and out of all 10 uh, only one has come from Marcus Alonso's side. Eh, then he has a defense. He has a, he has a leg to stand on. However, I'd be willing to bet from just my intuitions, from watching the matches and watching them over and over again and in, 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 in yelling and screaming at my television that Marcus Alonso is responsible for a few more goals than just what we saw this weekend. Okay? Second goal came in the 38th minute, 39th minute. Lauren Koscielny, again, a set piece, a set piece, a set piece. Uh, it was a free kick. Um, the ball was crossed, cross, 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 whatever. And Lauren Koscielny was defended by three players, Jorginho, Kovacic, and there was somebody else. There was somebody else there. There was another player there, but whatever. The closest man was Kovacic, and Kovacic... <sighs> Koscielny was between Aspie. That's what it was. It was be- Koscielny went between Aspie and Kovacic. Aspie had his back to Koscielny. Kovacic was behind Koscielny, but he was the closest one. And the ball came over, and, Ko- and-, and Koscielny scored it with his shoulder. 
you know, he went to head the ball, missed it with his head, and the ball bounced off his shoulder. It was a lucky goal. I, to be honest with you, I wasn't upset with the goal. I really wasn't because it was a lucky goal. This shit happens. If this is These things happen. The ball is round for a reason. Anything can happen. You, you kick it. It bounces off your knee. But it go, at the end of the day, it went into the back of the net. That's all that matters. And it was really unlucky uh, for Kovacic. I mean, for Kepa. However, do I believe Kovacic could have done better there? Absolutely. But the question that I asked myself after that goal is, how did we get there? How did we get there, they say? You, say, you ask. Well, let's rewind the tape back. If you rewind the tape back on the second goal, the play actually starts. Chelsea, uh, hey, Antonio Rudiger gets the ball on the right-hand side of the field, crosses it over, beautiful pass to Marcus Alonso. Marcus Alonso proceeds to run up the touchline. He has Willian right in front of him. They could easily pass it to Willian. Or behind William, which was the more difficult pass. And by the time he passes it, he's already past the, the, the halfway line. He has the more difficult pass, which he makes to Eden Hazard. And it was a shit pass. It was intercepted. The ball then gets brought up down Marcus Alonso's side. And by this point, Marcus Alonso is in the final. When he passes the ball uh, to... Eden Hazard, it was a shit pass. He's already in the final third. So now it's a counterattack, and it's coming down Marcus Alonso's side, and Marcus Alonso is nowhere to be found. Okay? And you look at that play, you ask yourself, okay, so if the ball's coming down Marcus Alonso's side, you would assume that you have that player needs to run into at least two players. He needs to run again, run up. Uh, he needs to run into William, and he needs to run into a midfielder before he gets to a defender. And that's exactly what happened. He ran past William. He ran past Jorginho. Marcus Alonso was walking back, wasn't even sprinting back after he lost the ball. And he saw that he lost the ball. The ball, was, the possession was lost in front of his face. He knew exactly what was happening. He didn't sprint back. Couldn't be bothered to be sprint back. And then by the time the ball was in our final third, David Luiz needed to make a, a horrible tackle to prevent the goal, uh, to prevent the buildup in play. But nevertheless, the buildup in play was caused by Marcus Alonso making a shit pass into Eden Hazard. I, I just don't know. I, I, I just, I just look at these plays, and and I, I'm just a guy, ladies and gentlemen. I'm just a dude in Miami watching these matches, watching them on my TV, on my couch, and if I can see these mistakes from four thousand miles away, how the fuck is sorry? Not seeing these goddamn mistakes that this guy continues to make. The lack of effort this guy continues to show. I don't understand. I don't understand. William is the same shit. The same thing. On that play, William was walking back, looking around, 
looking around. Oh, where's the ball? Oh, oh, it passed me. We're not on offense. We're not on offense. Nothing I can do here. Can't run. Nothing I can do. Hopefully the defense gets to him. Let me know. Let me know when the defense gets to him. I'll be over here waiting to play offense. It's just frustrating. It's just frustrating. So, just all in all in the game. I mean, I watched an excellent video. There's a there's a YouTuber. I don't I don't even know if calling him a YouTuber is correct or just a he's a tactician, a student of the game. An absolute student of the game. And he puts up these excellent informative videos. His name is Numan. Go on YouTube. Type Numan Chelsea or whatever. And you'll see all his videos that he puts out. Where he explains the tactics. He explains. Goes through with pictures. Gives you an idea. A better understanding. Of what he thinks is going on. Because at the end of the day. None of us know what's going on. Because we don't have the team. We, we, we're we not in the dressing room. We're not in the locker room. To know what is sorry is asking. Uh, of the players. What the, the, the plan of attack is. So we all do the best we can. To figure that out. But uh, he has excellent informative videos. And if you watch it. Everything that he says. Is 100% true. He explains on how Arsenal beat us. Arsenal beat us by exploiting the gaps on defense. They're very narrow, very very narrow because there there's no there were very narrow because we have no striker. We have Eden Hazard that's playing playing a striker in the he's in the striker position, but he's not a striker. He's a winger. His natural tendencies are to pick up the ball deep and to run at the defense. And as a striker, he can't do that. As a striker, he cannot do that. Right now, Newman showed that we are one-dimensional. What we do is we, 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 we have our same plan of attack, which is try to build up the ball up from the back. But what these teams do time and time again, they continue putting a guy on Jorginho, preventing us from putting starting from him to play the ball in the, from the back. And it, it's the reason why David Luiz and think. Thank goodness we have David Luiz because his passing has been unreal. His passing this game, you know, against the Arsenal game in the last couple of weeks has been a bright spot in this team. The passes he made during the game, we had, uh, we had a few attempts on goal. We had Pedro. I wouldn't say it wasn't. I'm not sure. No, Leno had a great block. Um, it was still Pedro. It was very similar to the Newcastle game. Pedro made a run. David Luis found him, put a pass perfectly on him. And, you know, we're playing against professionals. So the keeper, Leno from Arsenal, came out, closed the angle on, on Pedro and made it, made it a very difficult shot for Pedro to hit. But the opportunity was there. That's all you can do is put yourself in a scoring position. The opportunity was there and it was created by David Luis. Reason being is because these guys are marking Jorginho. Teams now know that to stop us, to slow us down, we don't have any striker. We don't have a striker at the moment. Or I mean, yes, Iguain. Um, and at the time of the recording, Iguain has yet to sign. But it's a, for all intents and purposes, it's official. The man's coming. The man's going to be signing for Chelsea. So. Eh. <sighs> 
it's just we, we we have we have nobody. So our wingers come in, they're looking for a cross. Pedro has nobody to cross it to. William has nobody to cross it to. Our backs, our left back, our right back, our left back, uh, Marcus Alonso. One of uh, I saw a stat that he has one of the lowest percentage crosses in the all five leagues of all top five leagues in Europe. I mean, but to be fair to him, when he goes to cross it, who he has no striker to cross it to. He gets in a crossing position. He has all the day time in the day to look for somebody, but there's nobody there. Nobody's running into the box. I mean, you can't. I'm the first one to give the man shit and to say that he should not be playing. But what is he supposed to do in that position when you're looking to sh- cross the ball and you do not see anybody? All you see is Arsenal players. What are you supposed to do? He can't do anything. <sighs> we have players not making runs into the boxes. It's just a disaster. It's a mess. It's a mess. And we have no plan B. Sorry has come out and said he's not willing to change the formation because these guys have not perfected the 4-3-3, which is the the formation. 4-3-3? Yeah, I don't know why. I was like, I wanted, my mouth wanted me to say 4-3-4. I don't know. But Sarri has come out and said that he's unwilling to change the formation to a 4-2-3-1 or whatever, any other formation, because we haven't mastered the 4-3-3 the way he likes to play that formation. So why the hell is he going to introduce confusion into the into the game when we haven't even mastered the 4-3-3, which is the way that he plays? So, uh, now, so we lose, Chelsea loses... At the Emirates, 2-0. And after the match, Sari um, brings out his interpreter and says that he wants to speak through the interpreter in Italian to not have his words confused. He didn't want his words to be uh, misinterpreted. So he he spoke a lot the i should say the interpreter who spoke a lot and this time the interpreter was a portly gentleman a large gentleman with sunglasses with uh glasses you know sorry has a rotation of like three different interpreters is this guy i've seen a a younger italian guy i think he's bald or am i imagining that am i imagining that i know he has three interpreters it's this guy a lady, and then there's another guy. Am I imagining that? I don't know. Either way. So he said a lot of things, but here's the important thing. And I'm going to read it word for word so we can break down uh, what he said. So sorry goes, I have to say that I'm extremely angry, very angry indeed. This defeat was due to our mentality more than anything else. Our mental approach we played against a team which mentally was far more determined than we were. And this is something I cannot accept. Uh, okay. That's perfectly fair. Those were his opinions. Um, I mean, if you look on paper, Arsenal and I, I mean, it's not uh, Arsenal and Chelsea are very similar team, a comparable team. It's not like one team is vastly more talented than the other. It's just in this game, you could tell from the onset, you could tell from the beginning, Arsenal wanted this match. This was not going to be a game where Chelsea could rely on their talents 
and blow away the other team and outlast and create opportunities, goal opportunities, goal opportunities, like the Newcastle game. This was a game where all things given equal, it was down to the team who wanted it more. And on Saturday, Arsenal wanted it more. I 100% agree with what he says. Now, let me read this second part and I'll and we can talk about whether this was the right thing to do because everybody is you know everybody has an opinion on that so back to this comment i'd prefer to come into the press room be in the, the changing room and speak to the players and speak to you now to talk about the tactics about why we lost from a tactical point of view but the fact of the matter is it appears this group of players are extremely difficult to motivate. Fuck. We've heard this before. We've heard this before with Mourinho. We've heard this before with Conte. And it's scary. Because it's not like we haven't heard this. It's not like we heard this 10 years ago. We just heard this a few years ago. Again. Let me repeat, I don't think Sarri is going to lose his job at Chelsea this season or during the summer. I do not foresee that happening. However, these comments are terrifying. These comments are worrying because before you could argue, you could see what's going on with Manchester United. Manchester United looks like a brand new team. A brand new team. Scoring goals left, right, and center. They can't not score goals. But before, they were playing under Jose Mourinho. And you could say, ah, you know, everybody knew that these guys didn't like playing under Mourinho. It was a very boring defensive style. It was hard to watch. You can only imagine what it must be like to play in that system. And now these players are not in the system and they are balling out of control. So for Chelsea, when we were under Mourinho, it was very similar. Yes, we were champions. But from January to May, we were grinding out games 1-0, 2-1, you know, going to get draws. It was tough. But we were champions at the end of the at the end of the day could say boring, boring champions, which they did, but champions we are. Under Sari, he came out and said the same thing, similar thing. It's hard to get these guys motivated. But at the end of the day, I mean under Conte, but at the end of the day, whether we were playing one game a week, one game a month, one game a year, at the end of the Premier League season, we were champions. So it didn't matter. We were champions. It didn't matter if we were playing fo boring football. We were champions. And we knew we were going to be champions back by Christmas. We went on a 10-game uh, you know, run where we didn't lose a match. And we knew by Christmas we were going to be champions. But yet, those, I mean, those managers were defensive managers. It was easy to make the, the argument that the players just got tired of playing in that boring defensive system. No wonder they're not motivated. They're tired of playing in this shit. We're, we just saw it at Manchester United. But here's Sarri, 
the anti-boring, the exciting football, the guy that, that, that lit Europe on fire with Napoli. We're excited. This is the football that we've been dying to see at Stamford Bridge. Here he is. He's here. Here's the football. And now sorry saying the same thing Mourinho and Conte said. Now, let's get this out of the way. Would I do what Sari did and publicly criticize these players? I don't know. I'm not in that locker room. I'm not in that locker room to say one way or the other if I would publicly go out in front of the press and, and talk about these players. I don't know. I don't know if I would do that. I'm not in the room. However, if I was in the room, and I did know the players, and I did understand their temperament on a perfect on a personal level. <coughs> Excuse me. I don't know if I would have done that. That's not me. That's not my style. That's not my style. That's not how I would want that to be done to me. If I was a player, I'd be pissed. So we will we will find out. We'll find out Thursday. We'll find out the next time, you know, in our next couple of matches, if the players responded. Because in the past, when managers have tried that with us, with these, with these group of players, I mean, and not all. When when these guys say when the when the when the when the, the pundits, when these websites say, "Oh, these same group of players," stop, stop. Because some of these players are this. Fuck, I can't even say that. These starting up. Nine. Nine of the 11 are the same players. So, yeah, these group of players. But you look and you say these group of players were champions. These same group of players were champions, to, what? The majority of them twice. One under Mourinho and the other one under Conte. A majority of these players know what it's like to be champion in, 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 in the Premier League. Some of these players know what it's like to be cha- world champions because of uh, the World Cup. So I, I don't know. I mean, if you ask me, I don't know if he did the right thing. Time will tell. Time will tell. However, I do agree with him. I do agree with him. When you watch these games, you see these guys lack effort. You go, go on YouTube. I want you guys to go on YouTube and watch the highlights of Napoli's goals, okay? And compare that to Chelsea's goals. And what you'll find something very, very interesting. At least I did. The goals are similar. The same buildup in play. I mean, similar buildup in play. Similar, similar, similar. However... What you don't see when I'm watching these games, I don't see a consistency of running behind, of chasing guys down, of pressing on the ball. I don't see a consistency. I see guys like Marcus Alonso. Okay, fine. You lose possession. It happens. It happens. But get your ass back. Last week against Newcastle, was it? Yeah, last week against Newcastle, he loses the ball in the final third. And he's walking back. Morata. 
few weeks ago and fuck that guy i'm tired i don't even want to talk about him anymore but it's a point a few weeks back the ball's rolling right in front of him and he's walking i mean sorry ball no sorry ball that's unacceptable that type of play that type of effort is unacceptable at that level you can't be walking i you nor i or majority of the humans that living on this planet have the talent to be a professional footballer. We just don't. We can't control that. But you know what we can control? Effort. The best of the best, the worst of the worst, can control the amount of effort they put in to whatever skills that they have. And I'm telling you, I'm watching these guys, I'm watching the... The, the, the common offenders and they consistently, consistently, consistently lack effort. Now, here's where I differ with sorry. Here is where sorry needs the blame. If you see Marcus Alonso, if you see William, if you see whoever you see on our starting 11 consistently lack effort, because again, I see it, and I'm just a guy. Imagine what Pep sees. Imagine what Jurgen Klopp sees. Imagine what all these Premier League teams see who are professionals, who know exactly what they're looking at. Hell, Jose Mourinho was on BA Sports, and he's breaking down what's going on, saying, yeah, it's not that Chelsea's bad. It's this is how you break them down. This is how you do this. You do that. And he's doing it on the fly. Imagine what these guys do, what they see when they study this team. And they have players that can execute their, 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 their plans on how to beat us. When, you, when, 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 when Maurizio Sarri sees the same offenders, it is on him to change those offenders. It is on him to turn over the roster and to look for the players. If you're not willing to run your ass, Marcus Alonso, Emerson is. And it's up to Emerson to see the opportunity presented in front of him and to grab it. Again, Ross Barkley, I give, he is our third choice, left, center, mid. I want him nowhere near the starting 11, but I take my hats off to that guy because not a once you heard a peep about him playing time, about this, that, or the other. The man busts his ass. All you heard was Ross Barkley getting into training camp early, studying Napoli's film, studying Maurizio Sarri's uh, play, and getting working at getting better to be able to attempt to force his way into the starting 11 and he's done that with competition from a guy from real madrid who is handed the position and with ruben loftus just coming back from world cup and ross barkley busted his ass to get into the starting 11 now whether he didn't uh, uh, get playing time now whether does he deserve that playing time whether he is good enough for the playing time that is all your argument that's not what i'm arguing here that's a completely different argument but the fact of the matter is ross barkley has earned the right to participate in that argument emerson needs to play emerson needs to play 
And Maurizio Sarri needs to recognize that. He needs to stop being stubborn and he needs to do whatever he's got to do to have Marcus Alonso sit on the bench and have Emerson and, and, and give Emerson a start because if he doesn't, it might cost him. He might be in a position later on down the road, however long that might be, and where he's saying to himself, damn, I fucked up there. I fucked up there. So, if it was up to me, what would I do? Emerson starts over Marcus Alonso, and when Ruben Loftusik gets back, he needs to be healthy. This is on him. He needs to be healthy and stay healthy. Whatever that, you know, I don't know what that means. I don't know if I have back issues to it. I can tell you right now, I have back issues as well, lower back issues due to a car accident. And you never know. I never know when my back is going to go. I can run, do the same activities, play a just amount of sports, lift the same amount of weights. And one day I do less than normal. It's random. And my back can go out and I'm fucked for two weeks. But Ruben needs to stay healthy. You know, when Ruben gets back, Emerson and Ruben need to be starting. Those guys need to be starting. And they need to be seeing what the fuck is going on and have it in them, in them to take a hold of the opportunity that's presented to them. Because William, Ross Barkley, Kovacic, these guys are there for the taking. Marcus Alonso, he's there for the taking. Callum Hudson Adoy can take his position. I mean, fuck. You know what? I take that back. I take that back. This is what I want to see. Emerson and Ruben starting. And I'll let Sari pick who he wants to start once Iguain gets here. Iguain as striker, Hazard back in his position. And Sari can pick who he wants at his right wing. I'll let him pick. If it was up to me, Callum Hudson Adoy. But. I'll let him pick who he has on his right wing, whether it's Pedro, William, or Kalamatsun Adoy. So, if you ask me, that's what Sari needs to do. So, where do we go from here? Well, we're still in the transfer window. We're day 21 of the transfer window. As I've already mentioned, uh, all the reports are saying that Iwain will be arriving uh, tomorrow or today, whenever you hear this, uh, January 22nd. He's going to be in London for his medical, give, you know, and he will be able to play against Tottenham on Thursday. And that would be a massive, massive, massive upgrade. A man who already knows Sarri's system, a man that's played with Jorginho, that he's already up to speed. He doesn't need to. It's not like he played with Sarri 10 years ago. Just last year, right? Right? Just last year? Was it just last year? Couldn't have been last year. No. Because Iguain played with Napoli. I mean, played with Juventus last year. Was it last year? Fuck him. My days are... Yeah, it had to have been last year. Because Iguain went from Real Madrid to Napoli. Then Napoli, he played with Juventus. Then he left Juventus because Ronaldo came in. And that's when he went to AC Milan. That's what it is. So Iguain is coming to Nap is coming to Stanford Bridge. That's gonna help. 
But if you ask me, we we, we need it's it's we have less than fuck. What I mean, let me pull out the calendar. The window closes the thirty first. We have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight more days. Right? One, two, three. Yeah, eight more days in the window, and we still need a backup for Fabregas. But all the talk in the world is the backup for Fabregas was by this. That deal has stalled. Where's that deal? Apparently, Chelsea have yet to make a bid. But meanwhile, PSG sniffing around, sees a player, kick the tires, and they've apparently, according to reports, have agreed to terms. Zenit, St. Petersburg have, because Chelsea dragged their feet, the board once again didn't prepare a bid, didn't jump in early, didn't identify a player, and got their player right away. Now they're in a position where Zenit has created a bidding war because another team has stepped in. And a team that they that, that St. Petersburg knows can pay. They've created a bidding war. And now, you know, as of right now, both teams have backed out because Zenit has raised the price high, way high. But it's again Chelsea dragging their feet. You know, when Tebow, the snake... When the snake left us, boom, we have Keppa. We know Keppa. Keppa, we've been studying him for years. Boom, boom, boom. One, two, three. One day after the next, he signed. Think back to when Costa came and Fabregas came. I didn't hear about them. I knew Fab, uh, Costa was coming. Window open. Next day, boom, he signed. Fabregas, same day. Boom, signed. Who else? Morata. When we signed Morata, we're dragging our feet with Lukaku, dragging our feet, dragging our feet, dragging our feet. Everton, whether they raise the price or not, Everton, you know, set their price. Manchester United comes in, pay the price. Chelsea, to save face, submits a bid exactly the amount uh, that, that, that Manchester United had their bid accepted for. They lost, they lost that. And they immediately, oh, we got a guy, Morata. We've always wanted Morata. One thing leads to another. The next day, boom, we signed Morata. No bullshitting. The deal was done. Because they were in a position where they had to. And here we go in a position where we have to get a backup. We need a backup for that position. And they're dragging their feet. They sell Fabregas. They knew they were selling Fabregas. But now we're in a position where it's two weeks later and we're still haven't even submitted a bid. I, I, I just don't understand. I don't understand what these guys are thinking. I don't understand what the board is thinking. I really don't. I never, I, I just don't understand this business model. They end up fucking themselves. Then they want to talk about, oh, we're, we're thinking about Mason Mount. We're thinking about the, the academy. And we, we don't want to bring in players to block the academy. Fuck you. All of a sudden, now you care about the academy. Kalamotsunodoi can't sniff the field, and now you're thinking about the academy. Get the fuck out of here. Get the fuck out of here. It's always the same shit. It's always the same shit. When did this team become second choice uh, FC? That's what I want to know. You know, I don't understand this. 
It's always, uh, you know, uh, now the, the excuse was the academy. We're thinking about the academy. Meanwhile, Manchester City, they have a plan. Pep's first year, he assesses his players. They bring in Claudio Bravo. After one year, Bravo is not it. Gone. Ederson. They have four. Uh, they, Pep identifies that their left back, their right back situation is shit. They bring in four brand new. They have Raheem Sterling. They have David Silva. They have... Uh, uh, who's the other one? Raheem Sterling. David Silva. David Silva plays more in the midfield, I think. You never know what these guys... They have Mane. But what did they do? They bring in Bernardo Silva. And they bring in Mares. Four guys. That all of them have an argument to start. The only position that they're, in my opinion, a little light on. And that's striker. And they have Aguero and Gabriel Jesus. Which they picked them up last year. As a, you know. I, I'm not saying that we're Manchester City. Of course not. They, we all have financial fin- uh, fair play situations. But what I am pointing at is these teams have a plan. What is our plan? It always seems like we're, 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 we're scrambling. Liverpool. Liverpool sells their best player in January. Doesn't matter. That's a well-run team. Hate them or not, that's a well-run team. We need a new keeper. Carius is in it. Boom. No bullshit. Go out and get Allison. Whether you and these guys, it's not I'm not making the argument that these guys are better or worse than our players. I'm not making that argument. I'm not. I'm not I'm not making that argument. Chill. I'm not what I'm not what I am not saying is our players are I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is look at these teams. Why can these teams have a plan? Why can these teams put four or five different guys in the same position? Back up. If this one doesn't work, this one's going to work. And our play is not going to drop down. It seems like these teams have a plan and we have no plan. We don't have a... Who's our director of football? Who, who is our guy that says no? You know, where's the plan that says no? We're not going to buy this guy because we have a, a, an academy player to push him through. And this is what we're doing. We have nobody. We have no plan. If they cared so much about the academy, they wouldn't have been bringing in Danny Drinkwater and Bakayoko and all these guys. They care so much about the academy. Why are we bringing in Zappacosta? You care about the academy. You have Reese James here. You have Olaena there. Why are you bringing in Zappacosta? You know, I understand that you need a guy right now to back up. I understand that. But let's have, find out how old Zappacosta is. Let's see. Let's see. Uh, that, Please, God, let him be young. Because I'm going to look like an asshole if he's old. Zappacosta, please, please, please. Late 20. Yes. Well, 26. Let's see how old Reese James is. Reese James is young as fuck. Reese James. 
tearing it up in the championship. 19. Too young. No problem. Ola. Aina. 22. 22. No problem. Bring his ass. Why are we bringing a Zappacosta last year? How much money we have spent on Zappacosta? You could have brought in a 20-year-old, 21-year-old Olaina, and he would have done just fine as our backup. Just fine. See what I mean? It's like we don't, we, it feels like we don't have a plan. We have no plan. <sighs> this team is frustrating. This team is so frustrating because if we were shit, if we were bad, it's like, you know what? They're doing the best they can. They're bad. They're just bad. They don't, we, Chelsea doesn't have the funds. They don't have money. They, we, we have a small stadium. We're a small club. We, our days are past us. We we're trying, but you know we we're just limited. We're doing the best we can. That's one thing. But this team is supposed to be elite. This team is supposed to be elite. It is looked at as an elite team around the world. Chelsea Football Club is a big club. There's few clubs bigger than Chelsea, and it seems like. Everybody sees that. Everybody knows that except those who are within the building. So that's all I got for today. I know it was a Debbie Downer of an episode, but that's all I got for today. Uh, It's just frustrating. And I needed to get this off my chest about this match. I needed to get it off my chest. And I hope this match, I hope this episode of the podcast was enjoyable for you because it was, this match was difficult for me. It really was. It really, really was. And then you, and then to throw salt on the wound, you need to win this game, and you don't. We were one. We were one point behind Tottenham. Now we're what? Let me look at the table. Let me pull up the table. Live read of the table, everybody. Live read of the table. Hold on. Chelsea table. So yeah, Liverpool in first place, 60 points. City behind them at 56. Tottenham, five points behind City at 51 points. And then you have us four points behind Tottenham at 47. Arsenal and United are tied up at 44. Three points behind us. So... (coughs) It's tight, man. We're, we cannot afford to lose games here. We cannot afford to lose games. I don't want us to finish fourth. At minimum, I want us to be third. I want no misunderstandings when it comes to making the Champions League because we cannot, this club cannot afford not to be in the Champions League next season. I know we have the Europa. I know... We're we're fortunate right now, but we're in two competitions that if we just do what we're supposed to do, play how we're supposed to play, we can guarantee, we have two opportunities to guarantee a spot in the Champions League next season. 
So, guys, I'm going to be coming back at you with another podcast uh, this week. Um, Sunday, I have Eunice. Uh, We're going to be doing a post-match review of the Tottenham game. Hopefully, I get Nini on this week to do a transfer show. If not, it'll be next week. Don't worry, guys. Podcasts are going to be, it's going to be, you know, I'm not going to leave your ass hanging. You know your boys got your back. So that's all I got for today's episode. Have a great day. Listen, um, I'd be a little bit honest, not honest, but I I can't tell you, I won't tell you, nobody is ever going to know the truth about a situation. However, let me be clear. Let me be careful what I'm saying. In life, you're going to have to make sacrifices. In life, you're going to have to make decisions that are difficult. Very difficult decisions, but they are the right decisions. They are the right decisions, no matter how hard what you're deciding to do is. It's the right thing to do. Don't be afraid to do the right thing, no matter how difficult it is. Because at the end of the day, you won't even... I'm, at the end of the day, it's better to live with the regret of doing a hard thing, at least to me. It's better to live with the regret of doing a hard thing, but doing it because it was the right thing, as opposed to doing the wrong thing because it was easy. So that's all I got to say about that. Guys, I believe in your goals. I believe you're capable of doing everything that that you set your mind to. I really believe that. And I used to have your back 100%, 100% on what you want to do and what you want to accomplish. All right? A lot of big things coming up. A lot, a lot, a lot of big things. There's a sp- very special day coming up in February. February, I'll tell you the date right now. And for those who think, who see this date and want to try to figure it out, you're all, you're more than welcome. February 22nd Be on the lookout For something Be on the lookout for an important announcement That I'm gonna need you guys to help me on Cause It legit Is dream come true type shit February 22nd So Guys Have a great day Enjoy the rest of your day Kill it in whatever you do. Kill it, kill it, kill it. And I believe in you. I love you. Have a great day. Big kiss. Ain't no box of Bacchia, but got the chopper, throw the casso. It's like you heard God spoke. I sing the ghetto gospel. The quiet, like my reefer in the preacher, got my eyes low. Sister Mary Jane can make me see from singing high notes. The Bible or the rifle. Good night, folks. Pin spin.
spell suicide Kirk Bang even died cause you scrutinize It's a fine line between truth and lies Jesus Christ never lies, still was crucified That's why I never judge another nigga Life's a bitch, but that bitch in love with other niggas Three to a bed, sheets, no covers, nigga Dirty kitchen, no supper in the cupboards, nigga Sucker niggas, what's up with niggas? So my new attitude is like, fuck them niggas I grew up with niggas, but don't fuck with niggas I don't trust them niggas, ain't got no love for niggas Had the gold grill shining like them southern niggas Kept it trailing, now the whole world fucking with us Meanwhile, you treated all of us like other niggas And now your world is in my palm, take cover, niggas Now I'm walking on my own, y'all wish me luck.